When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The old mucker, who's been on the show several times, the bottle episode's very own, Mr. Matt Lane. Thank you for having me. And I don't know why I saluted. Yeah, you did. You actually saluted. It's a shame this isn't a video podcast. It's, I'm glad it's not a video podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually glad it's not a video podcast because, you know, there, there is a picture you've just put up on Twitter, actually, of me where I look like a hiding marshmallow man from The, Sim- from the Simpsons, from the Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters from <laughs> Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters. <laughs> the Ghostbusters. That's like when unfortunately old pe- that's an eighties comedy. I mean. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. that's like when old people say things, isn't it? You know, yeah. oh, oh, the, the Ghostbusters. Oh, what's that character who plays Doctor Who? No, oh, the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I quite like him as Doctor Who. <laughs> the Doctor. Yeah. Uh, so today we are doing a nineties comedy special, effectively, and we have two choices that are based on films that have been nominated. And they revolve around the 90s, and we've got some great listener feedback um, coming from films that they've said that they love from the 90s. So this should be a um, you know a very party time, excellent. We are. If if we were if we were Wayne and Garth, who would be who? Oh, obviously I'm Tiki Era. That's the most disturbing image <laughs> I've ever. Heard. Uh, <laughs> we'd be the people who think we're Wayne, but we're really Garth. That's true, yeah, yeah, but more than likely. Yeah. So, before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that we are on iTunes at Pick a Flick, if you just um, go on there, and uh, please do leave us a review, or a five-star review, ideally, or just give us five stars. I know mm. I'm shooting high there, Latham, aren't I? But, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's got to be it's got to be done, we've got to ask people. What happens if people leave you a five-star review? We will, at the very least, mention you, 
and there might be some form of remuneration. Oh, so you're going to pay people? No. So are you bribing your audience? Moving on. Anyway, we have... <laughs> we have... No, no, no. I, you know, there will definitely be a mention on the podcast and uh, a big thank you. So it would be great. So it will help us be found more among the film podcast community and things like that. So please do uh, go on there and give us, a, give us a bit of a vote up. We're also part of the Black Hole Media Podcast Network and you can find other podcasts on there at www.blackholepodcast.com. Not B-Hole Media anymore. <laughs> Not bumhole media. Not bumhole media because everyone has a filthy mind. I've realised everyone, everyone in the world saw bumhole media and went <laughs> bums. Literally, it's just filth. Yeah, absolute filth. You should all be ashamed. But yeah, go on to watch you and give us a five star review. So, nineties comedy, Laban. Yeah. Shall we start? We shall. Okay, let's pick a flick. South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut is a 1999 American adult animated musical comedy film based on the Comedy Central television series South Park. Never. I know, it's a shock to me as well. The film was directed by series co-creator Trey Parker and stars the regular television cast of Parker, Matt Stone, Mary Kay Bergman and Isaac Hayes with guest performances by George Clooney, Eric Idle, Big Floppy Donkey Dick and (laughs) and Mike Judge. The plot follows the four boys from South Park as they see a controversial R-rated movie featuring Canadians Terence and Philip. <laughs> Terence and Philip. <laughs> hey buddy! Hey buddy! Hey! Get on with it! <laughs> Get on with it! Get on with it! And begin cursing incessantly. Their parents pressure the United States to wage war against Canada for allegedly corrupting their children. The film tackles issues of censorship, bad parenting, and freedom of speech. It parodies animated Disney films released during the Disney Renaissance, such as Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid, as well as musicals such as The West End's Les Miserables and satirises the controversy surrounding the show itself. The film was released in theatres on June 30th, 1999, and it was produced on a 21 million budget and went on to gross 83 million worldwide in theatres, making it the highest grossing R-rated animated film of all time. The song Blame Canada earned Parker and Mark Shaman a nomination for Academy Award for Best Original Song at the 72nd Academy Awards. Let's see one of the many very entertaining clips <laughs> of Safe Park the movie. Shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. You're a cocksucking ass licking Uncle Fucker. You're an Uncle Fucker, yes it's true. Nobody fucks uncles quite like you. Shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. You're the one that fucked your uncle, Uncle Fucker. You don't eat or sleep or mow the lawn, you just fuck your uncle all day long. Hmm. <laughs> What's going on here? Okay, South Park the movie then is one that I think we watched you know, many, many moons ago um, when we were uh, wee nippers. Mm-hmm. So, what do we make of it? Anyone who asks, anyone who asks me um, about 
what what's your favorite what's your favorite film or what are your favorite films and my favorite films have been brought up on this podcast before um I... Demolition Man. No, sorry. Yeah. So a bit of a tickle there. So, where that came from? But there's always four. I'll always mention who are like my top four films before anything else. Um, so I can't far, hardly wait for this list, Laden. I know. I can't hardly wait for you to stop <laughs> making that joke. <laughs> and one of these, one of the four, is say apart, bigger, longer, and uncut. And it's probably one of the four of the list that's probably all flawless. I think I can't find any fault with it. Yeah. I, I, it's one of my favourite films and out of my four favourite films it's probably at a push not my most favourite out of those favourite four but it's probably the most flawless one out of the four yeah well maybe I love this film so much It's I think it's a masterpiece honestly do yeah why though why Why then is it a masterpiece why, why, why do you think that it's what it's rep- it's the message of the film is what it's trying yeah. to do and how it's managed I think the, the show had only been on the air for about two years and for a show that's still on the air in its 19th season I think um, to be able to reach a point two years in uh, to be able to self-reference to basically self-mock itself to self-mock the reaction yeah. of parents to it it's it's a remarkable achievement particularly when you think about the history of the show as it went on like and what will happen with it with all these different groups attacking it? Like eventually Scientology <laughs> will yeah, try and go. Yeah, the, the, I think the only religious group that that quite like it or have not said anything bad about it is more it's Mormonism. <laughs> it's the Church of Mormon. They must have had a go at the Church of Mormon, though. I mean, they they, they, they must have they've done everyone, haven't they? I think the they have. They they have. There's a, there's a great episode where they pretty much do the whole Joseph Smith story, and they've got like this all about the Mormons. That's it. All about the Mormons, <laughs> and. But then, but like it, the then again, just Trey, Trey Parker and Matt Stone did the Book of Mormon. And yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. The, the church had got a whole page advertising the actual church, saying, "Now you've seen the play, read the book." Yeah. <laughs> in the actual program, I mean, the idea being is that South Park is probably known for attacking certain, uh, well, pretty much most institutions of any mm. nature, any gender, race, religion, group. Pretty much anything. Denomination. Yeah, pretty much. If it exists, they probably attacked it at some point. Yeah. And the film pretty much managed to at least get jobs into several different things at once. Um, although, when you think about it, considering the considering um, this was in 1999, I'm quite surprised that Islam Islam's not actually in the film, which is quite surprising considering what they do in the, sh- the show afterwards, yeah. particularly Islam. Maybe, maybe they just... At some point, when we've got everything else in this film, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> maybe we just don't have room. <laughs> but this was, before, but then again, this was before nine eleven. It was, it, it was, was nine, and it's quite, it's quite strange thinking about it now. You know, it was, it's a pre, pre nine eleven film as well, considering yeah. what the show ended up doing with it. Yeah. So, but the way it, was, it, it kind of mocked itself so early on in the show's life already, and it does actually have a lot of strong, mature things to say in juvenile humour and a, quite a lot of quite a lot of praise for South Park as a whole is saying that what people sometimes forget through all the swearing and the jokes jokes and to be fair there's not that much swearing in the show. Um it's it's quite I, I remember watching the film watching the film last week in preparation for this and when you start hearing the characters the kids swear, it's actually quite jarring considering what you see on the what you've seen in the show itself, but but they but the whole 
reason for that is that it's a very crucial part of the story. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's what's very clever. Exactly. Yeah, and Trey Park. Funny enough, also the the idea of kids wanting to go and watch films and perhaps trying to sneak in is probably something that's still apparent today. And I oh, bet yeah, you, yeah. Um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, I, cu- I couldn't find it, but I do remember reading years and years ago that what because Wild Wild West was there at the same time. And Trey and, Park, Trey, Trey and Matt Stone saying Wild Wild West is going to make a shitload of money. Yeah. <laughs> of kids buying tickets for that and sneaking in to watch Seth Park. Yeah. And, that, <laughs> and, that's, and that's the plot of the film as yeah. well. And I mean, I was... I was thirteen when it came out, so and I was and the film was rated fifteen. Mm. So I I never actually watched it at the cinema, but I know friends in my year at school who snuck in to go and watch South yeah. Park movie, and some of them saw South Park. Uh, it's the same year that I think it was the same period of time where I remember friends of mine sneaking in to go and watch Blair Witch Project. Yeah, it was, the, it was the same yeah. year. I think I think Blair Witch was about a month or so before. Or after yeah, that. but it's quite funny. So. But it's 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 that. Intelligence that they self or they're self aware that they know kids are going to try and see this film. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. the the after, right afterwards when the kids start swearing to all their friends and all the friends are like Ooh! and like in awe of all these swear words they're saying, like yeah. goes you ass ramming uncle fuckers and then <laughs> the whole the whole look like, about twenty kids go oh we got to see this movie. Yeah. I, I I remember shit face cockmaster. <laughs> I remember I remember back in the back in the day like. When, like, We're old enough to say that now. Yeah, Sister. back in the back in the day. Back in the day, Tramway King. <laughs> there were not but fields. fields. <laughs> Tramway King. We all had Elvis. Uh, no idea what accent that was. <laughs> let's not. Let's not get my... human accents. We've been here before. I'll try. I'll try my Canadian later. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. Fuck, Fuck you, buddy. <laughs> we apologise to all Canadian listeners. Yeah. Yeah. We apologise if we're being rude about Canadian listeners. But then again, then again, as as much as they characterise the Canadians with the, their very similar looks and stuff, they're blockheads. The blockheads. Like that. Yeah. yeah. What's quite funny is that the Canadians. And their mouths are dumb. Oh, no, no. You're racist. You are racist. <laughs> let me let me finish. Let me finish. Let me. Let me. Let me finish. Now I'm finished. Okay. <laughs> we also apologise because this might just descend into quoting. It will descend yeah. to just quoted, yeah. But then again, the, the genius in the film is that the Canadians might look like they're being mocked at, but they're actually the smarter it, country. It definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. like, how, how, how do you get on the US's bad side? Bomb the Baldwins. <laughs> <laughs> and the Ar- later on, the Arquette residents as and well. We have news, co- news just in, they bomb the Arquettes. <laughs> no survivors. It's, uh... You know what's good about being a Baldwin? Because everything! <laughs> I think the, uh, the the real greatness of this, the, there's several things. The first thing is the fact that it's it's very much a satire that knows its targets. You know, they've, they've said it's a cautionary tale on censorship, which yeah. obviously, as you've said, is, is the big one. It's telling that it's Cartman using foul language, ultimately, which saves the day. <laughs> yeah. Right? Which which is their way of saying that they, the, the, the point they're trying to get across is that these lynch mobs effectively and this mass hysteria is created quite often through things that are really not worth getting insane about yeah you know the villain of the piece is Sheila Broflovsky isn't it it's Kyle's mum yeah Um, which which I think is perfectly pitched as well it's very much the idea that you know parents and as I said lazy child rearing coming to into sharp criticism for this and it's 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 the whole thing of through these kids and through the you know the toilet humour and everything about and the silly gags it manages to make a very strong point about 
the way we are ironically trying to protect our children, but at the same time we're actually causing more problems necessarily than than we would otherwise. Yeah. And by by actually trying to be this insane amount of censorship that the the consequences of that build and build, it ultimately builds to war in this case. Yes, exactly. But it's, it's like not hell and hell rising. Yeah. I mean they, they really they really top it up. Obviously, you know, they take it to a comic comedic extremes, but their point is very valid about this. And and that's the great thing about this film is that it it's very, very silly. It's very rude. You know, it's probably one of the most obscene films that's ever been made. I, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it's like... Is there over 200 F, F-bombs in it? Or am I getting confused with Pulp Fiction? Because I'm pretty sure Pulp Fiction's on a list of the most F-bombs used in a film. I don't know. I'm trying to find... I'm trying to find the number, actually. It doesn't but, say... Um, it, it would be out there. There's, there's, yeah, there's probably yeah. as many as Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But then the other, the other, the other genius fact is that somehow, and nobody has done this since, they managed to make it a genuinely brilliant musical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, I mean, it's telling that they got an Academy Award for, for one of the songs, or they were nominated. It was nominated. Award. It was the, um, I think it was the Phil Collins song from Tarzan that won in the end. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. Because yeah. everyone went, oh, fuck off. Yeah. And, to which that, that, and then I think season four pretty much opened up with um, like every time Phil Collins would appear in like the first few episodes <laughs> of season four, and he would just have the Academy Award in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's about like there's about three or four episodes with the suffix 2000 because yeah. it was 2000 when season yeah. four aired, yeah. and like they just took the make it piss out of Phil Collins well you, well, you would do I yeah. mean because it's you know the, it was written by professional professional people who had worked on Disney animations who had come from that grounding yeah. it, was, it wasn't just joke songs it was actual proper proper music yeah. proper musical songs that and, were... have, and have we seen the stage musical yet <laughs> we have bollocks have we? <laughs> we should do because that yes. would sell out like oh, no man. one's business yeah. And people, the songs are so they are so catchy, yeah. And they are so, almost all of them you could probably sing. Yeah. You no. Know? Okay. Question: Which one's your favourite? Oh, without question, this may surprise you. Without a shadow of a doubt, Big Al. I'm super. Thanks for asking. Really? Wow. I, yeah. I just I just find that hilarious every single time. Okay. <laughs> I would say my my. But, fa- but it's difficult. They're all great. I I go for Brian Batana. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And yeah. the thing on the DVD. What would Brian Batana do? do? If he were here right now, he'd make sure a plan an a nice or two. two. That's what Brian Boitano do. Yeah. <laughs> now, the um, the DVD has the DVDA um, yeah. version of that, where it's pretty much everyone's doing the cups before cups was a thing. Oh, uh, yeah. No, well, not cups. They're just tapping there going... Tapping there. <laughs> There's also the uh, the video which has the the brilliant I've never seen a man in so many chicken wings and it just I've never seen a man in so many chicken wings I've never seen a man in so many chicken wings that's just every time that's on I, I sing along I have to yeah, it's, yeah you just have to watch the um, the credits all the way through yeah, it, yeah, it yeah, comes yeah. back with Trey Parker's usual uh, attempt at a soft weepy thing with through the eyes of a child of a child yeah. <laughs> but this is it it's like it, it knows what it's taking the piss out of and every yeah. song is taking the piss out of something or it's or it's it's a character song if any, sometimes yes. as well and it like in, like in Disney you know it's like things like Saddam Hussein singing yeah, oh, oh no, Satan singing up there is a bit of all that stuff. Yeah, which and it's actually it's actually a good, genuinely serious song. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's like a, a song a Disney princess would sing, <clears> you know, <throat> from a tower or something, yeah. wishing a dreaming of a better life. So it's got all, you know, you mentioned the character stuff, and I think as well. So you've got great music, you've got 
really strong, potent themes. Yeah. Amazing gags. You know, oh, some, some of them, the script is brilliant. Oh, there's throughout. brilliant. There's like, there's like the odd cameos that come through as well. George Clooney pretty much satirising satirizing his own um, yeah. ER character. He goes, God damn it, it does not get any easier. <laughs> <laughs> Can you accidentally replace your heart with a big potato? You've got approximately three seconds to live. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, they killed Kenny. <laughs> bastard. And so, so yeah, you've got, you've got, You've got all of those elements, and like you said, the character stuff. Yeah, and, and that's that's another thing. Yeah, it's they've utilised the characters quite well. And thinking about it, when I was watching it, I've come to realise that some of the breakout characters aren't actually in the film. I mean, Randy Marsh isn't in it, and Randy Marsh is perhaps is after Cartman now, probably one of the second, hmm. probably the second most popular character in South Park, and Randy Marsh isn't actually in it. I remember that's. I, um, Stan's dad. Stan's dad, isn't yeah, he? Well, he, yeah, he wears the, sh- the vest, doesn't he? And the yeah, because he's like he a made, trailer yeah. park guy, isn't he? Yeah. Like a like, no, like no, a, he's, he's the geologist with moustache. Because he, he's 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 had an absolute load of episodes surrounding him. Because I sometimes get confused over the roles of Kyle and Stan in the show because they are, they're often quite interchangeable because they're usually the voices of reason in an yeah. episode and they usually have their own monologue type thing. Um, but then in the film, you've got. The romantic subplot parody with Stan and Wendy. There's the girl that I like. Hey, asshole! You're holding the goddamn lunchline. Then he just when he sees Wendy. Hi, Stan. But yeah, but then and then it leads to that leads to the brilliant thing where he goes, "How do you get women to like you? You gotta find the clitoris." What? And then and he finds them. And then oh, I didn't say that, children. It leads to Stan finding this massive talking clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> I am the, the clitoris. clitoris. Yeah, that's in the clitoris. Yeah. You must stop the war. No, get lost. I only know how to But yeah, but that's what he's doing. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's again the spoof element that he, yeah. he's spoofing the whole vision quest idea that you see yeah. in films. I mean, obviously, it's got the the rude, you know, naughty, yeah. juvenile idea of a, of a talking but, clitoris. Yeah, but then well, again, it's but then the idea being is that, and it's something that Trey Parker and Matt Stone have said in the past that people aren't fully aware is that they're, they're talking about these mature adult things but then through the eyes of an eight year old they probably the don't he's have a child <laughs> <laughs> they they probably don't know the full extent of what no. they're talking about so when well, someone that, yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so like when someone because like stands like guys you know where I can find the clitoris yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Dan doesn't know what he's talking they don't about know what he's yeah, been, yeah. yeah that's, and that's probably why that's when and the film again is when they know all these things like Uncle fuckers and all yeah. all that language that Terence and Philip are talking about. They don't know the full connotations of what those words mean. No, no. They just think it's cool that they're hearing all these words that's yeah. causing reaction. Which is a very childlike thing, yeah. you know. And that's that's what kids do all the time, yeah. especially little kids. If they can test it and they can yeah. say these things, yeah. and that's what the film builds on. Yeah. It's a brilliantly clever yeah. idea. But I'm drift. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm drifting from the. I've got to make. I've got to make one change actually. Yeah. When you said earlier my favourite song, I'm going to change it to Carl's mum's a bitch. <laughs> What, the, the movie version. The movie version where Cartman goes into a proper Cars Mom's a big fat fucking bitch! Cars Mom! What? Ah, fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is my favourite character, yeah. anyway. But then, yeah, but then again, um, <laughs> but then again, say. The best person to spearhead the the angry mom brigade is Sheila Brosklowski. Oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely, um, yeah. Which ties into the whole thing about protective parents, and so Kyle takes that role yeah. of um, the kids saying, "No, it's my fault. Blame me. Yeah, Don't blame yeah. anyone else. It's yeah. I did the wrong thing." Which is yeah. really good. And then you've got Kenny having the the role of conscience for Satan. 
Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> and of any film that makes Satan an anti-hero at the end, I mean that they it's it's pretty much a precursor to what they do with Oh, from Team America. Oh, God, the, the Korean... Oh, um, Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-il. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, They precursor Kim Jong-il and the attempt yeah. to try and give him death by depth, by make, by giving uh, a lot more of a three-dimensional tw- spin on Satan, of yeah. all people. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They make, But they make him a, a kind of a, a tragic, romantic, homosexual hero. Which well, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's been, like... In an abusive body, relationship. abusive relationship. Yeah. With... Saddam Hussein. Hey, relax, guy! <laughs> and again, and... Uh, and it's quite something where they, they must have wanted to use a real life villain. So, because who can, who do we think is more despicable than Saddam um, Satan? Saddam so they make Hussein. Saddam Hussein, which, and so they might take they rip Saddam Hussein to shreds in this film. Yeah, yeah, and then probably because they know this, they're going to get away with it. Well, the, well, this is it. I mean, they know. do they do that when they did? Um, I think it's season six. Which is when they had Cartman and Osama Bin Laden. Well, I was about to say, yeah. if that film had been made like five, six, maybe even ten years later, it would have been Bin Laden. Mm-hmm. These days, it would probably be Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, or, some, or Putin. Or maybe Putin, but I think Donald Trump would have more yeah. weight, carry <clears throat> more weight with it. Yeah. Or even like, well, this is the problem with ISIS in that there's no spearhead one guy. Yeah. ISIS is more about a. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, yeah. whereas quite often with Saddam Hussein, he, when everyone thought of Iraq, they didn't think of. The Iraqi forces or the people they thought of Saddam. Saddam yeah, he was, you know. Mm-hmm. So there, yeah, he, he, he's an easy, but, you know, like Hitler. Hitler would be an easy person yeah. to do that with as well. Yeah, but yeah. And, and I think finally as well, what I was going to say is that one thing I, I probably didn't actually notice until perhaps watching it last week was, from a storytelling perspective, you've got the romantic foil of Gregory from Yardale with a four point <laughs> grade average. Ha yeah. ha! Uh-huh. Come and catch me, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> Which and. Because and like he's, he's there as like the unlikable person, but when you think about how they structured the rescue attempt at the USO show, there's no actual South Park character of that age that could actually come up with that plan. So that's why that character's there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. And, and then they bring in perhaps oh, I'd like to say he's my favourite character in the film, which is the mole. Christoph, the mole. But then I suddenly remember, then I remember something else. I'm like, hang on, no. It's difficult. Yeah, because but then like, you got the mole that comes in. He's only on screen for about 15 minutes. Yeah, he's not in it much. But he, he steals the film. Yeah. <laughs> he's he sounds like a giant giraffe. There's a giant giraffe around here. That's how probably clever the the film is that they brought in that character to do not only just to be a romantic fool for. For yeah. Stan, he actually serves a plot function, and it, the plot is so tight. I mean, everything that comes up in the film, like subplots, end up crossing over with mm. the whole plot in itself. I mean, say there's the quest for the clitoris, even yeah. turn even turns into a confidence boost for Stan in terms of growth as a character Definitely. because he found the clitoris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he, yeah, it's not that he's finding the clitoris as much as he's like, yeah. he's trying to find what he needs to do to be, yeah, you know. To get Wendy, yeah. you know, and to be, and it, it, it's all quite sweet, weirdly enough. The whole film is quite sweet, even though it's filthy. Yeah, and it, it but it, it has it has quite a sweet natured element to it. That's the yeah. other strange thing, you know. And with, even with all this, and that's that's the big point, really. They're, they're saying that it doesn't matter that they're effing and blinding all over the place, mm-hmm. right? That's not the point. The no, point no, no. is that it's they're, they're trying to explain that even if they are swearing, it doesn't change the fact they're children. It doesn't change the no. fact of what their stories are. And then when you blend all of these really Disney numbers in that are so removed from what you'd imagine yeah. a filthy animated comedy to be, yeah. it makes you go, okay, well, this the profanity doesn't matter, oddly enough. And that's the whole point. That's one of the big themes of the yeah. whole thing. And that's but, yeah. and, the but, dangers of censorship and the dangers of 
telling people what they can and can't say yeah. is but, the underlying thing. Yeah, and but then, and and with that as well, you've got the idea of free speech because this was probably before the mass of social media. Well, actually, and, yeah, I was and, to say, it's and Twitter, pathetic. particularly particularly Twitter yeah. as well, where there's like a lot of social justice that goes on in terms online. Yeah, because you'll find that, and Absolutely. there's a lot of extension from that in this film as well, and uh, quite a lot of online yeah. stuff where um, people are mostly attacked for no reason. Um, or mostly blamed, where something gets blamed and suddenly there's like a hate campaign against something. And I'm reading a book about this, funnily enough, right now. If, if you're interested in that kind of thing, check out um, John Ronson's So You've Been Publicly Shamed. I've right? heard of that. It's a, it's a great book. I'm reading it right now. And it, it talks a lot about Twitter shaming and, and online social media shaming. So yeah, it, it is an extension <clears throat> to that. And it, it, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's, it's the forerunner of that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, and the elements... I, I got one quote to point out, which is about the censorship as well, where it's on about... the. the the amount of language used, yeah. whereas particularly on now as well, um, perhaps on network TV or TV where the American censorship thing, and this is my knowledge of it is not 100%, but I know for a fact that there was always a thing where it seemed there was a lot more violence on TV than language and sex. Mm. And um, the bit where I think Sheila's saying, remember what, remember what the MPAA says, horrific, deplorable violence is okay as long as there's no naughty words. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got time to Philip going, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the but the, the idea is that they the, the amount of violence that's in South Park. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because exactly. like, it's it's comic violence, but yeah. it is violence. But they're, they're all but they you know Parker and Stone would be very liberal minded anti gun kind of you know kind yeah. of people. They are. You can tell that they're, only they're, liberals yeah. could write a show like this. Yeah, but then when you think about that's... it, when you think about it, one of the running gags in the show for the first five years was an eight year old gets killed in so many very graphic ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it is an eight year old boy getting killed yeah, on yeah. screen. Yeah. And they get away with it, but they ble- one swear word gets bleeped out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, get... that's the whole point. That's the whole yeah. reason they made this film because they were you know the big thing was that they were told from the very beginning by the studio who wanted a film because the, the TV show was so popular yeah. and they said let's do a movie and they said well we want to do a movie that is edgy and R rated and they tried to get them not to do it and, they, and then they said look we're not doing it unless so what they did cleverly was go well let's make that the story let's yeah. make the story effectively the fact that yeah. you've got people telling you you can't say this you can't do that yet you can see, you blow someone up you can shoot someone in the face Yeah, you know you can't show a nipple on TV but it's that, it's that kind of um, what's the word? Double standard. Yes, and that, exactly. That's, it covers a lot of that, really. Yes, yes. And it's just, it's just, it's just fabulous. Yeah, fun. it's it's one of it's one of my favorite films, and um, out those four, that's it's probably what, at least two two of them are flawless, and that's yeah. one of them. Yeah, I can't I can't disagree at all there. And it's mm. got my one of my favorite lines from the film is one of my favorite comedy lines ever, where the the hawkish um, general is asked. By the by, chef. You ever heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? And he goes, I don't listen to hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> Which every you know, time it kills me. Which no, genius. Yeah, I mean, I'm, considering how much stuff they did on they've done on racism on the show, that's quite. It's it's probably the only time they yeah. covered racism in the actual film. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a massive thing in the show, isn't it? But yeah, yeah the, they, they but don't. Yeah, but it's but it's, just yeah, it's quite, quite surprised how little the chef is in it. Well. Yeah, yeah, but he, he just pops it. There's yeah. so many people in there, though. They, they suppose they couldn't do Operation, that. get behind the donkeys, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Operation Human Shield. Oh, yeah, Operation Human Protect Shield. Protect our tanks, too. And there's a great visual gag of just seeing a bunch of uh, black sh- soldiers just tied to tanks. And then she just goes, my ass, and just ducks. And just all the white, <laughs> got, all the white soldiers suddenly just <coughs> killed. <laughs> it's great. It's really good. And there's a great Winded 98 gag, which I completely forgot. Because when they bring um, Bill Gates into... Uh, into there goes, God damn it, Windows 98, get Bill Gates in here. <laughs> it is special. Oh, but without teraflops, <laughs> you just kill Bill Gates. <laughs> this is great. Oh. Um, but yeah, Safe Part the movie, or Safe Part Big Longer Uncut. Karen and we watched this movie together. That little cocksucker behaved. <laughs> that little cocksucker betrayed us. You are a bad man. <laughs> and I don't know why, but that you are a bad man always makes me crack up. We've done well, actually, not to make this completely descending to just telling gags from this film. I think, I think we, we should pat ourselves on the back for that. We've actually p- picked out some interesting stuff. So, well done, Latham. Well done. And I'm sure... Um... And he's, he's, he's actually um, he's saying that we've not edited out. No. And it was worth quoting. <laughs> no, we have actually done this. Yeah. And I'm sure the uh, uh, the guy who nominated this film would be very pleased, really. Uh, this was uh, nominated by James Morton at James E underscore E underscore Morton on Twitter. And he's a writer, director, film critic, Durham grad, and he makes movies. And uh, if you go on his Twitter, you can find a link to one of his movies. And also... Can I? Uh, you can. And wow. also you can find his um, his web address, which is jamesmortonprojects.com. Thank you, so, Mr. Morton. Thank you, yeah. Thanks for nominating this one. It's always, yeah. a, it's always a good one. Oh, no, we have to stall him. More, more. Yeah, more. Oh, you big silly. You want to see more of me? Yeah. Big gay out. Big gay out. Big gay out. Big gay out. Well, I do have a little song I wrote about the war. Oh, but we haven't rehearsed. Sing it. Yeah, sing it. Oh, I can't. Sing the well, all right. If you insist, I'll sing my song. I believe it goes a little bit like this. Bombs are flying. People are dying. Children are crying. Politicians are lying, too. Cancer is killing. Texaco's spilling. The whole world's gone to hell, but how are you? I'm super. Thanks for asking. All things considered, I couldn't be better. I'm a thing. Nothing bugs me. Everything is super when you're. Don't you think I look cute in this hat? I'm so sorry, Mr. Cripple, but I just can't feel too bad for you right now because I'm feeling so insanely super that even the fact that you can't walk can't bring me down. Look cute in this Have these little pants This magic time I got it for I'm super Okay, we're going to move on to talk about 90s comedies in general. And <clears throat> it's it's an interesting list. You know, Safe Part the movie is one of the epitomising 90s comedies. But 90s it's, comedies... It's one, yeah, it's one of the end of the decade. Very end yeah. of the decade. But it's one of those that you, you'd associate, I think, with the 90s. And, and like all the, like a lot of the decades, you know, you can associate... The 80s has a very, very specific style of comedy that a lot of, you know, that we'll, we'll talk about in future podcasts, I imagine. But the 90s definitely does have its own vibe. And we asked on Twitter, to start with, before we talk about them, we asked on Twitter what people thought. So I'm going to run through some uh, 
some ideas. And let's let's run through these films and let's see what you make of these films, okay? And what we both make of them. So Andrew Brooker at Brooker four one one said Clerks and Dogma or Clerks and Dogma. I could not get fifteen minutes into Clerks. Really? I couldn't I, I, I gave up. Oh, that's a shame. It's oh, I just find it dull. Kevin Smith is a very is a very divisive person, isn't he? I mean, yeah, you know, it, was, it was a couple of years ago. I tried a couple of years ago. I tried to watch it, but I just could not get into it. Sorry, Brooker. <laughs> I, it'll be devastated. Well, but, hey, to be fair, he dissed the Lion King on Twitter this morning. Did he? Yeah, and that's one of my favourite Disney films. So th- this is in no way revenge, Brooker. <laughs> <All right>. uh, <laughs> but yeah, Clark. Why the fuck do I want to fuck about forensics? <laughs> I only watched Clerks last year, believe it or not, actually, and I I really enjoyed it. I th- I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Really, I, I prefer Dogma probably. I've seen. I, I like I like Dogma when I watch. I think Dogma's generally classed as as one of Smith's best films, if not his best film. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would say that. I would I would venture that Chasing Amy is also very. Good. I don't think I've seen that one. Very I, good. More rats. More rats is Kevin. More rats is. So we saw again. we saw that at cinema in um, Leicester, didn't we? We did. We went to a eighties and nineties cinema day, didn't we? Where yeah. we saw. About four or five back to back, didn't we? So it was things like Back to the Future and um, we missed Back to the Future. We missed Back to the Future because we couldn't find saw. a parking space. <laughs> <laughs> and I got lost. I got lost in Leicester's <laughs> one-way system. <laughs> but then we had Ferris Bueller's Day Off, didn't yeah. we? And um, Wayne's World, and we saw this. More rats, yeah. More rats, and I think there was Demolition Man. Demolition Man. After that, wasn't yeah, there? So that, that, that was a great day. But uh, but yeah. So Kevin Smith's a divisive figure. Um, Paul Field at Pafster agrees with Cloaks and Dogma. But he says uh, he also ventured Orgasmo. As well. I've, n- I've never seen Orgasmo. Um, considering, I, considering I worship the altar of Trey Parker, I've never, I've never seen no, Orgasmo. I've never seen Orgasmo. It's 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 one of the, I've heard of Orgasmo, but it's it's one of them I think that gets lost. Yeah, but, see, like, but a bit like basketball, which I know is a big favourite. But yeah, I think but Orgasmo is one that Trey Parker mm-hmm. erected. Um, basketball, which another nineties comedy, which is. I, I love that film so much. Yeah, um, I love basketball. You got me into basketball. Yeah, and I, I agree. But, but they only star in it because I think it's a Zucker, it's a Zucker brothers film. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. which is which you can kind of tell, but I think you've got because Trey and Pat Matt. Are it's in, a mix, isn't it, yeah. of their style and the Zuckers? Really. I, I, I still need to figure out how much input Matt Trey and Matt had into that because there's a lot of I, crossover. I think a fair bit. You know, if, if you watch basketball, I think yeah. there's a fair bit. Of yeah, mix which there. and it's it's a great because I, I love those Zucker eighties films, particularly from the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got the Trey and Matt bit, and it's like a brilliant combination of both. It definitely. It's, 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 I think that's probably not the handover, but there's a lot of transitional elements yeah. into that. Cause was that was basketball before South Park? It was. It was about ninety seven, I think ninety eight. Ninety eight. It was. It was. Yeah. It was just before South Park. Yeah. So it was at the point where they were becoming known. They'd be yeah. known for the TV show and things. Tom Barrick at Tommy Come Lately says Clerks again, which is proving very popular, mm-hmm. and Austin Powers. Now I'm assuming he means the first Austin Powers, although. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, and The Spy Who Shagged Me were both 90s. And yeah, it's not members. 7 and 9, weren't they? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I tend to... I mean, I love Austin Powers. They're, they are... Oh, they're brilliant. Hands down, and I know you won't agree with me on this, but they're hands down my favourite thing Mike Myers has ever done. Now, I know, you're shaking your head. We'll get to this. We're nearly there with you're this. You're wrong. But, <laughs> but for me, I think... I always thought Spy Who Shagged Me was the best one. I think I do. You could put. You could, it can't stand alone. Well, the the, the thing that's is, that's the only the only issue is that it's you can't watch it stood alone. No, I mean, well, all, all you th- need to watch the first. Well, one. all three of them, in in many respects, feed into each other. And yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a big defender of Goldmember. Anyway, well, that's that's the, the noughties. Goldmember gets so much hate, and I think it's 
fantastic in many ways. It's one of my. It might be my favourite Austin Powers, but I don't think it's the best. I think probably Spyro Shagney's the best. There's, all an, round. there's a new story which you'll probably mm. reference in a second about someone who did a who apparently had been trying to fill the script for a third version of for a third film of Wayne's World. Ah, uh, we'll yeah, 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 we will. And well, then, yeah, you, you tagged me into a comment saying, "Goes, is this you?" <laughs> but then, but I, I actually had, I remember for ages having an idea for a third Austin Powers film, yeah. which was basically a spoof a of Faith or a third. I think it was a third because oh, Goldman, before Goldman, yeah, 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 where um, it was basically a spoof of the Nicolas Cage and John Travolta film Face Off, Face Off, yeah. where Austin Powers and Doctor Evil have to swap. <laughs> so I was like, I'm Doctor Evil, baby, yeah. <laughs> That'd be quite good. Yeah. I'm Austin Powers. <laughs> Shagadelic, baby. <laughs> we talk, we talk, basically, it's just Dr. Evil and Austin that, Powers just quoting each other's That lines. would be quite funny, though. It might be more of a sketch than a movie, yeah. but it would be funny. Speaking of Wayne's World, our, uh, our good friend Adam Massingham, who you can find out at Massingham Adam, because he's very good with these Twitter names, um, <laughs> said <laughs> Wayne's World. So I know he's a huge Wayne's World fan. I think you you would agree, wouldn't you? Really? Oh, yeah. Um, after those four films, the next level, Wayne's World, both of them. Yeah. Well, you said afterwards, you on Twitter, you said and Wayne's World too. You added that, didn't you? Yeah. It's one. That, it's one of those. It's one of those films where, depending on the last one I watched, my favourite one changes. Mm. It's it's the same issue I have with um, Life of Brian and the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail, which I talk about in a previous podcast. If yes. you haven't listened to it, it is a silly podcast, and both. The content and the name of the podcast. Yes. Episode 13. Check it out. Pick a flick. But yeah. It, Synergy. It, no, that went, no, wait. That's lesbians. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Anyone who likes Alan Partridge will get that joke. But no. Um, yeah. Wayne's, Wayne's World. I've not seen Wayne's World 2 yet. You keep badgering me, but I will. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, you know, I know for a fact you'll see Kim Bas- Basin- Basinger. Basin- Basinger? Basinger? Bas- Kim really Basinger. Kim Basinger. Is it Basinger? Whatever. Yeah. No, you'll, watch, you'll see her in Wayne's World 2 and you will flip your lid. There's no way you will not love her in it. Well, I, I she, love she, Kim she, she, Basinger in anything she's in anyway. Yeah, she, really. yeah, she pretty much plays a femme fatale who tries to seduce Garth. Brilliant. And I, you'll watch it and she's amazing in it. Jaw on the floor. I yes. Think, yeah. yeah. But the, the the thing is, I I we've had a dis, we've had we've debated this before. When I when I, I hadn't watched Wayne's World before we went to Leicester two or three years ago yeah. and watched this, and I haven't seen it since, admittedly. Now I I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I've had this discussion with you. I've had a discussion with Adam as well in the past. You several both, times. Several times. You are both st- and Lee Lee Crimes, our friend Lee Crimes, who was with us on the day. You're staunch defenders of this. Now I, I completely get that. There are certain comedies I'm the same with, and there are certain films that I'm the same. Yeah, with. Then again, no, as with probably Clark, Clerks, Clarks, whatever the hell you pronounce yeah. it, I, I didn't like it. They're probably, but then again, I then again, you liked Wayne's World, but I didn't like. I, I, sort of exactly. I think the point with that is, and I think it's a very crucial point to this and to comedy in general. We all grew up in the nineties. You, me, yeah. people like Brooker, Paulfield, who mentioned Adam. I think you 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 adore the comedy that you grew up watching. Yeah. You you and Adam and Lee grew up watching Wayne's World, yeah. right? I grew up watching Austin Powers actually, which is why I adore them. Explains you, explains you, explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, baby. Um, and you know, for the for the other guys we've mentioned, they would have grown up watching things like Clerks. So you know that level of of devotion is is one of the reasons why. So it's not that Wayne's World's a bad film. It's not at all. It made me laugh plenty, but I can't love it in the same way you do. And that frustrates you guys no end. Yeah. But I'd never turn around and say it was bad. And I think that's the danger with comedy. And especially with 90s comedy. I mean, my, my one, my ultimate 90s comedy is Dumb and Dumber. And I, I know Dumb and Dumber inside out. Yeah, and that, I, I'm, I'm still a bit... It, it's enjoyable. I always found it disposable. 
Not bad, but... Exactly. Disposable. You think of that probably the way I think of Wayne's World. And that, that is exactly... You, you do. It's impossible for people to think of Wayne's World the way I think of Dumb and Dumb. But it's not. <laughs> but it is. And this is, <laughs> this is my point. But it is. But it is. Listen it is. to me. It's that subjectivity, which is with comedy is, is you know so big. We've got a couple of others. Um, our mates at Fail Critics at failcritics.com, our fellow podcasters, um, came up with a few of them. Said South Park, big long grunt cut. Well done. Um, the Big Lebowski, which I don't think I've seen. I've that. never seen that. I've strangely seen enough, that. but then I'm not. I haven't seen all the coins yet. So there's, you know, and I believe that's I'm sure that's an episode of Pick a Flick. It, well, yeah, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> In the, um, the Mask with Jim Carrey. You must have seen The Mask when I've you were. S- no, I've seen The Mask when I was younger. I remember liking it when I was younger. I just, it's one of those I think fades with memory for me, and I've not got really a desire to rewatch it. Mm. I've never had any bad memories of it. I just, I don't know. It's just, I don't think it lasts. The legacy of a film that you watch doesn't last, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like, so like, I never, I didn't like fall in love with it when I did with like the Wayne's World. Film. Well, in fairness, you can quote Wayne's World coming out your ears. I can quote Dumb and Dumber coming out my ears, right? I don't Talk think I can. Yeah, <laughs> come in your ears. It's... I don't think I can ever quote. I can quote the mask. I don't think there's anything in the mask that I can think back, really, and remember. With the main these, thing I remember. I, 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 I mean, with these powers, I could be a superhero. Oh yeah, that's about it. But, oh, but you have to say that to remind me of that. Yeah. The, the main thing I remember. And this, from... and and being what a very being very young hormonal teenage boys at the time is Cameron Diaz. I was about to say yeah. Cameron Diaz. He's just jaw-droppingly amazing looking in that film. Yeah. It was, and that was the first time she appears, really, on the screen. First time you ever saw her, and I was just like, a, I think I was, how old would I be? 13 or something like that? And I was just like salivating, effectively, for like an hour. But like, yes, they also say Dogma and Clerks again. Probably loads of others, but they can't remember. Man, so they're I, the same I, I'm going to lo- get a lot of hate mail. <laughs> a lot of hate mail to the bottle episode. Feel free to, guys. Um, it's just, it, it, the same ones keep coming up, interestingly enough. Kevin White, uh, finally, at Weeklemon, um, at we- Weak Lemon Drink. I keep saying Weeklemon Drink. That's not right. Sorry. Weeklemon, gotta Weak- catch them <laughs> Weak Lemon Drink. Funny enough, it's Pokemon's 20th birthday today. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Random fact of Random Laban. fact, there you go. Yeah, Kevin said. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop 
dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's um, South Park, again, uh, The Big Lebowski, again, and Groundhog Day. Oh, but yes. Which is a very good... Although I wouldn't classify Groundhog Day as a comedy, a 90s comedy in inverted commas. I, I think Groundhog Day is timeless in yeah. that sense. It's obviously set in the 90s. It's, in the 90s it was made, 93, wasn't it? But you could you could probably plop Groundhog Day in different categories, categories and stuff. I think Groundhog Day, I think as a lot of the films that we've mentioned so far... We probably class them as masterpieces, but they're probably not seen as masterpieces in a wider crystal no. net. Groundhog Day is probably one of those films that is... The term of phrase is put on a pedestal, but that always suggests to me that's when people put something that isn't deserving in a much higher price. Yeah. Which is pretty much what we do with probably South Park, in all fairness. And probably what I do with Wayne's World and what you do with Dumb and Dumb, I mean, that we put them on pedestals. Groundhog Day is probably yeah. one of those that deserves that... It's a cultural milestone I, I, in terms of filmmaking. That, I think that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah. In that and it's a it, genuine classic. Yeah. And it's quite odd to put them in the same league as perhaps the, the films that we mentioned. In well, well, I think the distinction is, I think, you're, I think you're spot on. I think the distinction is the films we've talked about. I mean, to be fair, if you look, if you were to say comedy classics, Wayne's World would definitely be mm-hmm. said by a lot of probably critics yeah. and fans. I don't think Dumb and Dumber would, to be honest, even though it, it, it's a very well, well thought of comedy, but I don't think anyone would call it a classic. I think you would, I don't think people would say Austin Powers either. I think some people would say Clerks, but I don't think a lot of people would say Dogma. I think a lot of people would say The Big Lebowski. In fact, they may put The Big Lebowski more like a Groundhog Day level of classic. Yeah. So what I'm trying to get at is that there's different distinctions, I think, depending on major factors, depending on when you were born. We were, we were kids of the 90s. We grew yes. up in the 90s. The people who loved, eight, loved, loved Ferris Bueller more were the people who were our age in the yeah, 80s yeah. when we were, you know, they're in, they're, these are people in their 40s now. Those people would probably quote things like The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We were just being born or, or we weren't born by that point. We were breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think a lot of it is down to your own <clears throat> touchstones as a kid. Yes. And yes. those films really stay with you, don't they? So I think that's a major thing. And I think that I, th- I don't think that's just '90s comedy, but I think that applies in general. But in terms of '90s comedy, what do you think is a major characteristic of, of a '90s comedy? Because I, th- I I think there is. I think there are production values. Right. <laughs> I think production values for what well, for one. Do you feel there's like almost like a, a Generation X kind of vibe to it? Yes, you know, I, I'd, I'd definitely say that with Wayne's World. Yeah, because perhaps there's you know, a lot more of a rockier subculture. Well, I think that's mainly because that's the character, the main characters in that subculture anyway. But but if you think about a lot a lot of nineties comedy, there were a lot of things, and we're going to get on to talking about one of these. That there were a lot of teen comedies and a lot of comedies that were using elements of gross out humour. I think more than the eighties did. But that, that's that's later. That's like ninety nine. Yeah, admittedly, yeah. and we'll, we'll we'll get to that. But like in terms of the, ge- I think there's a generational shift in the 90s towards comedy that's a little bit more either grungy or a bit little bit more rude and, and, and edgy and that you know that characterized in the things towards the end of the decade like south park i don't know i just i just think there's a distinction between that perhaps yeah because um, so yes and you look at kevin smith it. the kevin smith films again they're full of foul language you know they're full of, of rude gags they're full of you know stoner characters that sort of millennial 
you know, malaise, really. Okay. Your controller of the BBC who are schedu- who's scheduling films to play over the Christmas period. Okay. Which decade of films, with 80s comedies or 90s comedies, would you feel being put better before the watershed? 80s. Which ones? Because that, 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 that thought just crops into me when you're yeah. talking about that. So do you think there's like a bit more of a, I don't want to say mature, but perhaps... Not mature sure. in the sense of the comedy being mature. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, 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 for older audiences. Yes. So like, it's the whole thing of how action films did the same kind of thing. You know, in that they, the 80s and 90s, that they, they got a lot more, when the big blockbuster 80s and 90s films came along for action, they got a lot more swearing, a lot more... Yeah bloody with you know a lot of films of that ilk but then comedies started to get into the 90s a lot more rude and yeah push testing the boundaries a bit more than your 80s comedies which were a little bit more i mean you know you look at the 80s you you immediately think of things like the breakfast club say anything which is you know cameron crowe and, and john cusack with the boombox I've know, not seen that. Great film. Really great that. film. Probably Cameron Crowe, I think he's massively overrated in general, but he, that's a great film. But, it, you know, they characterised a little bit more with a, a pre-millennial malaise. And I think this is where Wayne's World is sending up a lot of the Nirvana, grungy kind of yeah. underground world of rock. Films like The Mask have that sort of zaniness to them. Dumb and Dumber have that sort of, you know, zany farce to them. And then you've got things uh, like... Actually, Jim Carrey's early stuff, so... Ace Ventura, is, Ace Ventura. Very, is very similar to The Mask in terms of... Well, it's early 90s, so it's in that transitional period. But it, again, that's probably something you wouldn't put on 7pm right, exactly. well, on you, BBC One. Well, well, you, you put it on like 9 o'clock on maybe. BBC Two. Yeah. You might get away with it because it's a bit softer than... But it, even that's got a bit of rude stuff in it, Ace Ventura. Certainly yeah. the first one. There are some real gags in that where you go, oh, it's a bit naughty. But so there's, there's things... There's also, I mean, there's other ones like Happy Gilmore, again, which has that... Adam Sandler's mm-hmm. first major one, which has that sense of... You know, silly yes. farce to it, which which they didn't really have in the same way. I think in the eighties, there are some interesting ones. Office Space, which is the um, Mike Judge, the Mike Judge, I, very underrated film. I watched it the first time a couple of years ago, mm. and a lot of that stuff is probably still prevalent now. I mean, um, I don't work in office cubicle, but I work in an IT support section, and the scene where they just beat the shit out of a printer. Yeah. It's just I just I I was crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really but then, but then the amount of times I wanted to do that to printers. It's... <laughs> <laughs> but then also um, off the back of Dumb and Dumb, you had there's something about Mary in 1998. No, actually, no. Which we, is again an interesting one. Now, there's a moment that we'll come to this in a second because it's brought up in the com- in one of the commentaries in the film we're about to speak about. Yeah. Um, about when. Comedy nineties comedies went from slightly mature to gross out. Yeah, yeah. because you can say there was a shift in not in ninety seven in ninety seven to ninety nine. You've got oh, there was one in ninety seven which I can't remember off the top of my head. When was Ten Things I Hate About You? That was ninety seven or ninety eight, I think. Yeah, again, which is a great nineties comedy. Yeah, um, but then then you'll have. A film I won't say yet, and then you'll have American Pie. Yeah, yeah. And American Pie kind of like launched the gross out stuff. So then in, by two thousand, you had Van Wilder, Road Trip. Yeah, and, and then it got it, it got then, work, Juice yeah. Bigelow. It got it went on from but, there, didn't it? Really? But then I'm trying to figure out that. So was is there something about Mary that turning point? It could have been 
because that but, because that was a ma- that had a lot. That of, was huge. That was huge in terms, and the fact there was a massive thing about oh, it's so gross, eh? it's blah blah blah. But it's not actually. I mean, it, that's the thing. If you look back, that we watched that recently, actually, me, me and my part and my partner, and it's not the, the main thing that people remember is the, is the cum in the hair. That that's that's the main thing. It's not massively gross. I think if anything, Dumb and Dumber's more gross out to some extent than this. Yeah, because that's more of a of a romantic comedy in, in a twisted kind of way. There's something about Mary. Dumb and Dumber is has that element, but it's much more two idiots, you know, on a road trip, and it's got think, some real yeah. gross out stuff. Yeah, I, I think we compare it to. I mean, I I, I can't watch Van Wilder because of the scene with the is it fritter rolls or donuts. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I can't watch Van Wilder because of that scene. That scene nearly made me throw up. But but this is it. Yeah. It gets it gets more and more. And it, but it's all building towards that throughout the nineties. You know, you have things like Private Parts, which is the Howard Stern um, autobiographical thing with him in it. So and that's that was quite edgy and, and yeah. rude in places. Things like um, Beavis and Butthead as well. Beavis and Butthead do America in 1996, which Beavis and Butthead obviously were the MTV stoner millennial kind of generation. And perhaps the precursor. Stuff. And you could probably argue that's the precursor for the South Park film because it was a TV spin off, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't nearly as, as successful or well known. But it talk, was, actually, talking about TV spin offs, remember. 90s comedy film that I feel so underrated is the first Brady Bunch film. I've not seen that. It's, I think, it's, I, I I've not seen it. I, can't, I think Gary Cole's in it. As Mike Brady, but the idea being is that it's got the seventies comedy characters. But what happens is the seventies comedy the seventies characters live in the ni- the nineties world, yeah. so they still hold all the nineteen seventies sitcom values, but they're transplanted two decades and two decades. Yeah, so they're in the contemporary world. So they're all going, they're all working with, with like, looking like long flowy hair and yeah. pretty much same, looking like the Betsy Gabba, and like you just got all these Generation Xers just going. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, going. What the hell? But again, that shows that shows that that distinction. That, but then, but then there's a whole line of meta self mockery in terms of that film as well. That's they get that time for well, but yeah, but the, there's lots of different. I think really when you know when you look at lists of of, of the amount, there are so many. I'm going to reel off a bunch of these now, and I think these are some of the most memorable comedies. Far more, I can remember far more of these than I can a lot more than I've seen in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Here's 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 some of the ones. The Waterboy. Gatorade. <laughs> Don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. A League of Their Own. I've not... What? what? That, that's a spoof of, um, like, um, Boys in the Hood. I've right? never it was the beginning of the Wayans kind of thing, which which led to Scary Movie and that kind of stuff. I've never heard of that. Well, there you go. There's there's one. Kingpin, which was, again, the Farrelly Brothers yes, one. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Things like Naked Gun. There was two Naked Gun films in the nineties. You know, after, oh, after the Smell of Fear, Smell of Fear, and, and then the Final Gun. Insult. Oh yeah, I've got that. You had, exactly Liar Liar. You had Cool Runnings in like ninety four, yes, which is a classically beloved film uh, by lots of people. The Cable Guy, which I I've not seen that. I, I I I watched The Cable Guy again a couple of years ago, and while I don't like it very much, I see the merit in it. And it, it, it really was misunderstood. It, it really gave Jim Carrey's career a slight dent because he tried to do something very different. And I don't think is it that, works. That's a couple of years before he went to Truman Show and he yeah. up again, wasn't it? Yeah. But he'd already done like Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, and he was known for the Jerry, the modern day Jerry Lewis saniness. Yeah. And he tried to be a little bit more sinister. And I, it's not, I don't like it particularly, but I understand that people didn't quite see it for what it was back at the time. 
So this is there's just loads. The Wedding Singer. That, oh, that's what I love that film. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. City Slickers, um, King Ralph, White Men Can't Jump, which is technically classed as a comedy as well. Bowfinger, which oh, that's nineties. I just at the end of the nineties. Bowfinger oh, is one of my favourite comedies ever. That's brilliant. I would urge anyone actually, as a little shout out to another podcast, to go and check out a podcast called Best Forgotten Movies because they do an episode on Bowfinger, which is very good, very entertaining, and it just gets into that is, film a lot more. Like, is that Eddie Murphy's last? Good film, Probably. wasn't a Shrek film. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> actually, and that, that's one of the comments they make. And Steve, Steve Martin on that other podcast, Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy, it's the last great film they probably did. Um, there's just, there's just so many. Clueless, Men in Black, which you can technically class as a comedy because it's an action yeah, comedy true, as well. True. There's just so many, and and it's it's got a lot of a lot of comedies that skirt different kinds of genres, but ultimately go back to being a little bit more, like I say, Generation Xy. And I think we're going to get on and talk about another one of those right now. So let's pick another flick. Can't Hardly Wait is a 1998 American teen comedy film written and directed by Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfont. It stars an ensemble cast including Jennifer Love Hewitt, Ethan Embry, Charlie Cosmo, Lauren Ambrose, Peter Fascinelli and Seth Green. And he's notable for a number of Before They Were Famous appearances by teen stars. <laughs> Just, um, just a few. Just a few. This movie ranked number 44 on Entertainment Weekly's list of the 50 best high school movies. The story takes place at a high school graduation party and in a style much like that of the high school movies of the 1980s, uh, the filmmakers were inspired by their observation that in most teen films, the best scenes were the party scenes and thus decided to make a movie set entirely at a party. The, the film takes its name from the replacement song of the same title from their 1987 album, Please to Meet Me, which plays over the film's closing credits. Lights that flash maybe in the evening. Maybe just play that instead. Yeah. <laughs> I can't hardly wait. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, let's let's have a, a look at this one. Mike? 
we should go talk to her. Totally, she looks destroyed. Oh, so I've got to be honest, I can't <laughs> hardly wait to have had the chance to talk to you about this. Mainly because for, <laughs> for years, years, I have made this terrible joke where <laughs> I kept saying, I can't hardly wait to see this film, Latham. Um, which is funny, probably only to you and I. Yeah. But like this, this is this is your favourite film, surely, isn't it? Or one, one of your favourite? Yeah. Is this, in the, of, is this one... in the four? Yeah. So I've, I've, I've the four been revealed. You revealed three. You've yeah. Demolition Man. Yeah. Safe part of the movie. Yeah. And this. So what's yeah. number four? It's Shawshank Redemption. Oh, Shawshank nice. Redemption is the other flawless one next to Safe Park. Good choice. Okay. So we may have to do that on Pick a Flip one day. But um... yeah, but yeah, Shawshank is another. Completely flawless film. Yeah. Uh, as Again, opposed 90s. to the other two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not a comedy. Not <laughs> definitely <laughs> not, not a comedy. comedy. Yeah. But can't hardly wait is. So why why is it? Why because it's not necessarily the most famous one of, of these kind of films. So it's quite pop it's quite popular one of those underground popular films. But it's, it's not mega known. So no. so what what is it about this? It's, I, I don't fully know why it's one of those films I just I absolutely love it to bits. Yeah. And there are elements in it. I think, and there are elements in it that I've probably read too much into, mm. considering I've watched it shitloads many times. Yeah. I, I ended up watching, I've watched it twice in the last week, <laughs> in preparation for this. Oh, you poor man. I know. And it's probably it's probably the only film I've ever known to have watched it again right after I've watched it. Mm. So it's the only film I've watched once right after watching it. Well, yeah, twice yeah. in succession. In succession, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's, I don't think a lot of people have that. I don't know if you've had a film where you watched it. I can't think of one off the top of my head, weirdly enough. Well, you no. like, so you've not had a film that you've watched and then you've watched again? I don't think so. Which is strange, really, but no. Well, knowing you, it might have been a Bond film, but you probably just put No, I did immediately film. think of a Bond film, actually, but I might have half an hour's break and have a wee. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, no, I probably had a wee in between <laughs> watching this film again. But... but No, no, I don't No, I don't remember doing that. So that's, wow, That's that shows your, your love of it. Actually, that's a question. Actually, that's a question I wouldn't mind hearing now. If there's other people who've watched the same film in succession, yeah, I'm sure there is because there are people who like real film buffs, fanatics. They, 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 you know, they have films that they just watch on rotation. So, yeah, let us know. Actually, let us know on, be, on, on yeah, Twitter or quite... Facebook. You know, what's your film that you've watched immediately straight after? It's been you you've liked it that much. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but anyway, so. I, th- I just think it's funny. I quite like the characters in it. Um, I th- I identify quite a lot with Ethan Embry's character, um, Preston. Yeah. Quite a lot as well, in terms of what he goes through. Um, and there's a very strange... Not, well, not strange. It's got a very interesting message in regards to the concept of fate and destiny. Yeah. Uh, in terms of... In which it says, yes, it's there, but there's also still the existence of free will. which it, And I've always been quite fascinated with the idea of free will versus destiny, to the point that watching it last night, I almost come up with a theory that this is a spiritual predecessor to the Adjustment Bureau film. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, but in, ter- in terms of the fact there's, like, there's still flexibility in free will and there's still a flexibility yeah. having free will. Yeah. And, cause that, that idea, and it kind of it doesn't go too in-depth as it should do, but it kind of t- takes that idea of the concept of film soulmates mm. where you have the main two like the main female and male yeah you know, all the meant to be together in that the film kind of suggests that it might not happen mm. at the end even though okay it's a teen film in the 90s so it is going to happen but now that, and that's that, that's something I've always quite liked so that message behind fate where because there's two there's two scenes in this film that I 
really that got to me one. There's the one where he's on about where um, Preston, so Ethan Embry has this long soliloquy um, towards yeah. the camera where he goes, I don't know about you, but I always believe there's someone out there for everybody or there's a reason for this. And it's it's less about that. It's, it's on about trying to figure out whether this con- this theory he has about fate and soulmates actually works. And if not, then, well, at least he can say that he's tried to yeah. experience this. To which then you have the foreign exchange student going, would you like to touch That's my, my penis? penis. <laughs> Cheetah. I am a sex machine. Cheetah. <laughs> in fact, that, that I think was the moment that made me laugh the most in this film when, when Preston's there and, yeah. he, and he says that to him. Yeah. I was, yeah, yeah. I so, up with that. that yeah. really Tony actually hasn't said what he thought about this film yet, but um, let me just finish the next bit. I bet you can't hardly wait to find out, Latham. Uh, man, I'm going to kill you till you die hard with a vengeance. <laughs> Touche, yeah. touche, yeah. my friend. You're not, you're not the only one who can use others' films against you. Mine's better, though. Ah. <laughs> Just wait. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to think of the right perfect comeback, and it will delay me a little shin, man, you. It would have worked if you got that right. <laughs> I know, yeah. I mean, I demolish is not the title. Yeah. Good try, though. Yeah. A, a for effort. The second one is um, the uncredited uh, appearance of Jenna Elfman, who I only just checked, I only just looked this up and she was like 28 when this was filmed. Oh, I had um, one of those moments where I went, is that Jenna Elfman? That, that, I, I wasn't that, sure. This, yeah, to be fair, this film is full of them. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. It's loads. Yeah, but yeah, Jenna Elfman turns up as like uh, the uncredited angel stripper and then she talks about her lifelong crush on Scott Bale. And the whole concept of the idea of fate which gives Preston the idea to go back to the party, mm. um, saying, "No, there is fate, but it only takes you so far, and you've got to act on it." And that's some, and I, th- I think that scene and that speech from Jenna, from Dharma, yeah, yeah, <laughs> from yeah. Dharma and Greg, Dharma and people, and Greg, yeah, 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 pretty much twisted my view on life in terms of how perhaps the world works and mm. that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so that's how, my my view on life has been changed by this film, <laughs> <laughs> how the con- or cosmology, cosmology, yeah. Stuff. Cosmological. Yeah, cosmological destiny and basically mm. cosmological is the right word. But yeah, but it's on about that thing where she's on about fate only takes you so far, etc, etc. And watching it last night, I suddenly realised if she spoke to Scott Bale, she wouldn't be there to tell Preston this. Mm. So Preston wouldn't have gone back to the party, so... <laughs> so you're saying that there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a double message there? Yeah, so so there's an, so, so if, if she took on free will and went... And and went with what fate drove her to. Yeah, she wouldn't have been. She probably, I don't know, I don't know, seduced Scott Bale with her preteen eyes. I, I I definitely think the film is is skewed much more towards the idea of fate. Yeah. I mean, it, despite what she says, I mean, you, you know, there's a few the, the the whole everything with the letter for a yeah. start. Where the way you see, it's almost it's almost like a um, what what kind of genre am I trying to get at? It's almost a little bit like um. A fairy tale way of doing it. That's yes. the wrong word. Yeah. But in, in much more of a fairy tale kind of film where that letter he's dropped on the floor, a keg goes over it, it ends up on the turnstile yeah. turntable, flips over onto the, the you know, and you follow that letter as it gets to where it needs to get yeah. and it gets to Amanda. And it's like, well, a film that wasn't about that, fate, the idea that she's gonna read that letter, for instance, you know, is very much it, 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 that wouldn't happen, and, you yeah. know. And, and for instance, what happens with the character of Mike, who's the the typical typical jock guy? Yeah. Funny enough, at the main six at the moment, the one with the biggest career is Peter Fascinelli. Peter Fascinelli, yeah, yeah, because yeah. he he went on and did um, Twilight, and he's Twilight, in, like, he? super girl at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Although, yeah, but it, but it's 
Yeah, because Jennifer Love, Love Hewitt doesn't do much anymore, and you've got you know she was the big quite big star at the time, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah, she was nineteen when that was filmed. Yes, yeah. So it's it's the thing is with it that it it on the one hand I think it's very much putting the two out there because as I was saying with Mike he chooses his path. Yeah, you know by rejecting William he and then at the end it says that he put on loads of weight. And yeah. You know, got sacked from his job or whatever. And yeah. He just was a, a loser. He chooses that. He doesn't yeah. have to be that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you have the two sides, really, don't you? You have yeah. the suggestion that this is all meant to be, and that slightly much more not cautionary tale. No, 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 well, no, no. no but there's a, a kind of a genre of film fable. fable. Fable maybe is the yes. word I'm after. That kind of fable element to it, but then it's also got that element of well, these guys make their own choices. So, it... so how would you fit that? So you got Denise and Kenny. So you got Lauren Ambrose yeah. and Seth, Seth Green. Green looking really, really young. Really young. Because Lauren Ambrose has just been in the X-Files with yeah. Marvel. And she, yeah. yeah. She's like, wow, I didn't really recognise her at first. She's yeah. in the podgy area. Yeah. She? I think our, 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 friend, our friend Lee Crimes loves Lauren Ambrose. Yeah, he's yeah. Yeah, a bit obsessed. Yeah. But, but, and yeah, Seth Green probably stealing the show really oh, is. He's probably... <laughs> <laughs> like, the most uncool guy ever. The original, um, the original, the original director's commentary is on that, and he and he he spends the first half of the film in a in a foul British accent. He goes, "Oh, hello, I'm uh, Seth Green. I play the role of uh, Kenneth Fisher." <laughs> <laughs> and about halfway through, Deborah Kaplan goes, "Are you going to spit say that all the way through?" <laughs> and he goes, "I was going to see how far I can get away." <laughs> but no, yeah, he, I, I think I think with Denise and Kenny, it's 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 more that they, I think they choose what they're doing. You know, they they actively make the choice. But then, how do they get? Because they both somehow get to. They have different independent ways of getting into that bathroom. True, true. Which again might have driven them to do that. But then they, but because they're in the situation, it's up to them too to make the most of what's happening now. Well, it, well, exactly, and exactly. It, which reflects again to that bit in the train station where it's pretty much the only reason for him to turn around was. Preston's choice. Because mm. Preston could have gone that train right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they, so they brought them there. But then it was Preston who had to turn around and just go... Pfft. Fate gets them so far, yeah. and then they have to make their own choices. So it's yeah. maybe... You know, you could argue that there's a mixed message there, but I, I think I, I think that's the entire point, that yeah. maybe it's a bit of both. Yeah. That's maybe what the yeah. film's saying. Yeah. But like, I think the original name of the film was going to be called The Party. So okay. it was going to be called The Party originally, but I don't know why they had to change it, and I can't remember how they got to um, Colin Holly Waite. But um, one of the things they did is that they tried to... all In the script... Um, you might hear some characters, some of the sporting characters have been called names, but in the scripts there was known by stock tropes. So you had Stoner Guy, yeah. um, Jock One, Jock Two, Jock Three, uh, um, the girl, the cheerleaders who were mm. the friends. So you had like uh, Jamie Presley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who yeah. appears in the camera. And Tamala Jones, who I think might have been the last person last person I recognised in the previous watch mm. in this, because she's now in Castle. As a, she's like a regular in Castle. There's um, so many. Yeah, but um, uh, in fact, later on, I'm going to ask you if you can name them all. Oh, flipping uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you got the son of God. Um, the host is just known as the girl whose party is. You got the yearbook girl, mm. um, and all all that's kind of trope. The, the known mainly for the tropes because they wanted to get all yeah, those yeah. tropes in. So you got X File One, X File Two, etc., mm. etc. Et um, I did love those guys as as a massive X Files fan. Yeah. So were. I'm going to ask you. So I'm, I'm assuming you actually like the film then. No, I hated every minute of it. No, yeah. of course, yeah, yeah, I did. I, 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 I did. Oh, <laughs> I did. Like I've been it. waiting. I've been waiting for, for a year. I've been telling. I, there's a. I've been telling Tony. I want you to watch it, but if you hate it, please never tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think I think you'd have to be very like 
cynical and hard of heart to hate this actually yeah I don't think it's particularly funny but then I don't I don't really think it's trying to it's be all not the time it's not outly hilarious no 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 I, just, it, it, it's I more connect of to a, it yeah it's more of a soft comedy yeah sort of drama but it's not really a drama either it's it's it sort of sits in the middle and it's more it's more of that kind of comedy fable element to yeah. it really so it wasn't it wasn't laugh out loud funny like the South Park movie would be yeah, but then oh, no, it's, it's, it's more about character it's more of a character piece than a gag yeah. film and you know you do have you know you it's more about the stereotypes and the you know the the de- the designations of how kids put themselves in that are the, that are the funny part. So you've got mm-hmm. people like Kenny, who yeah. he's, him and his mates are like trying to be cool in the life of the party, and they are the most uncool idiots in the world. They, but they are oblivious. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, you know. And then the freaking saying love can bitch. <laughs> Because, look, 92% going to sexual actors, 92% of people saying class or sex. What should I do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got 92% chance of embarrassing myself. <laughs> I'd be up and saying, you don't know what he's saying. Tell me he's saying, say you be papa. Because I don't, y'all. This, this is why you, you love this film, because you can quote it inside like that. I oh, know, it's very like, scary. But, no, but, then, but then, then, you know, then you've got, you've got people like... Point. <laughs> you've got people like Denise and Lauren Ambrose, who is the, the much more cynical girl who... Yeah. Kind of also wants to fit in, you know, at the same time. She yeah. doesn't, she thinks a lot of them are idiots, but at the same time, she kind of wants some acceptance yeah, and wants yeah. some funness. And then you've got the, the dreamer, you know, in Preston, the guy who's just lovelorn. Mm. Oddly enough, you know what it reminded me of, uh, in a way? Well, I say this was came after, but How I Met Your Mother, in some respects. You know, yeah, yeah. He, he, Preston reminds me of Ted from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, it you know, is a bit of crossover there. Yeah, 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 there's yeah. That same, it's the same kind of story in the sense it's about this lovelorn guy who really wants to be with somebody and he's he's very earnest in doing that. And it, and then you've got the, you know, the, the beautiful, traditionally attractive, you know, girl who's maybe starting mm-hmm. to realise that that's, you know, in Jennifer Love Hewitt and Amanda, who's not... So it, 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 it's it's... It's playing with a lot of stereotypes yeah. and a lot of high school stereotypes from the 80s. You know, there's a very, you can tell there's a big inspiration from the John Hughes stable of comedy with this as well. It very much is, mm-hmm. you know, looking back at things like St. Elmo's Fire and The Breakfast Club and it's taking a cue from that, which is nice. And yeah. oddly enough, it feels less like a 90s comedy than anything else we've talked about today. Yeah. Well, and I mean that it, as a compliment. It's quite, inter- it's quite interesting because I was watching this and I was trying to figure out is whether some films in the 90s date. The, oh yeah, yeah. No, I think they I do. mean like, like Wayne's World's dated my, yeah. Wayne's World's dated the comedy's still funny up, yeah. but it's dated but yeah can't hardly wait it, not, well not timeless it doesn't feel like it's dated it's not too dated but then I, and I was thinking about this this yeah. morning so if the characters had social media yeah. and, and mobile phones yeah it would be, be slightly different well it? I, I think I think it I mean, I like, think if you made it today, the, 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 a lot of the innocence would be gone. Unfortunately, I, yeah. I, and I, like, think... I mean, like for, for half the film, like Amanda's trying to find out who Preston is. She yeah, exactly. Facebook, and, like, Facebook. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you'd it would have to cut corners, and I think it would necessarily have to be a little bit more cynical in its approach. Yeah. And I think it wouldn't be as innocent. And I think what I quite liked about it was that it was quite a sweet film, and it was quite yeah. an innocent film, and it was quite romantic film in some respects. Yeah. It still had like some some gags and some some slightly you know sort of American Pie ish humour. Yeah. Like, American Pie is the is taking a lot of that, fusing it with Porky's and a lot of the sexy sex kind of comedy from the seventies and doing yeah. that for the for the noughties, for the millennials. Yeah. This is just before that. It's in that sweet spot. Yeah, I'll, I'll, and I'll, it's interesting. It's not it's not a perfect film. There's a load of flaws in it. And I'll, I'll bring up some of them in a second. Mm. Um, the last bit on a bit about the thing I want to love about it is that at the very end 
in the train station is mm. it's is it is it the Yazoo version of only yeah you? yeah only yeah. you it's the exact beautiful same song it's a beautiful it's the exact same version that's used in the office the office the Tim yeah. and Dawn so whenever I hear that song it always reminds me of that moment in that film yeah. and Tim and, and Tim and Dawn is perhaps another is one of the, like the few really romantic relationships in film that were one of the TV. couples that yeah. I really got emotionally invested yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, um, But then again, that time, that time when that aired for the first time was like 2003, which was actually mm. like a really crap period in my life as well. So mm. there's a very strange connection with that song for yeah. me in terms of, it reminds me of these two like stories. I do recognise there's a amount of flaws in it to the point where some of these flaws are com- comedic. Mm. Um, originally, because there's, there's a lot... Originally, they wanted to put a lot more reference into drinking because there's not much reference into drinking, and there's no you don't actually see any characters drinking. Mm. There's a scene um, right near the end where like um, where you got William and Mike talking about when they they clink glasses together and then they put them down right away afterwards. You okay. see them clink and they put them down. You don't actually see them drink down the shop because that's the editing done that way. There's a scene where um, he goes, "I have no legs." Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, that, yeah. You see, what you see is actually he's holding um, what he's supposed to be holding. It's like a tequila, like mm. a, a shot glass, but they've CGI'd a lemon. So there's, like a, <laughs> there's a weird floating lemon on his hand in the background as well. There's a beer bong. They're supposed to be in the background, but um, what happens is that you see, and they CGI'd a really crap balloon in front of it in the background. But no, the, the stuff like that, and because one of the things they had, um, and they had a character called the drunk girl who was played by. The girl who was uh, Martha Brady in the Brady Bunch films. Okay. And her idea was that she was so drunk, she was you couldn't understand a word she was saying. But she knew all the information. Mm. So, like, and it was all subtitled. And you see her briefly for when Will's, when William's doing the Paradise City bit. And, he's that, and, yeah. and you see a bunch of people being, like, crowd surfed. And you see this one, this girl... Like, and like, and there's one scene where a man's trying to talk to her and she's sort of drunk, she can't talk, but the subtitles are saying, oh, I know Preston, I can give you his address, his phone number, everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that, yeah, there's quite a lot of almost comical attempts to to um, edit stuff out. In in the original trailer, there's a scene where Jason Siegel, um comes in and says, like, I've, I've been putting... Yeah. Well, he's basically filled this, this watermelon full of um, alcohol since the second grade and it smashes to pieces and whenever any time you see Jason Siegel he's only in it for like about 30 seconds yeah. every time you see him he's always nursing this this watermelon <laughs> it's, it's, he's like stroking this watermelon and it's a very odd shape um, but it, 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 the only reason every time though is because it, it's full of alcohol that's why he's eating the watermelon right okay yeah, yeah. so um, but then references to the drugs are gone as well. I mean, the bits mm. with the brownies were supposed to be drugs. And there's a scene cut where um, Seth Green talks to Amber Benson. And you see her briefly looking at her banana. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you remember that bit. No, it's very, I don't it was bit. just before Will, Will, William goes and gets the beer and drinks. And goes, oh, the beer's no. gone bad. But he's, he's supposed to have a scene with Amber Benson. And this was like um, years before she was even cast on Buffy as Tara. Right, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> so, yeah. this is it. There's a lot of people in this film. Yeah. Let's go through then, right, before, before we... Before we finish, close the book. I'm going to test you now. I'm going to I'm going to do a quick few things, right? Okay. Um, firstly, thank you for nominating Can't Hardly Wait because uh, this was your nomination. We had to talk about it. Uh, I think we did talk my, my, about it once on Black Hole Cinema like, yeah. a long time ago now, yeah. a couple of years ago. But yeah. um, and you couldn't hardly wait to make that joke. I either. couldn't hardly wait. <laughs> that, I'm probably making that joke on that other podcast. So um, yeah, because we start talking about Demolition Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> by mistake, he goes, no, 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 no. You can't hardly wait to talk about something. <laughs> So um, I'm going to, um, first I'm going to ask you to name as many 
well-known people from from this film who went on to be other things. Um, so do you want me to just give actors names or perhaps name something they've been in afterwards? If you want to do both, great. Okay, but run down who you get and let's see if it matches. Okay, so you got Ethan Embry, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Peter Vassinelli, yeah. Charlie Cusimo, who actually dropped off the face of the earth. And but okay. he was, but then he was also in Hook. He was okay. He, he's Robin Williams' kid in Hook. Right. Well, that's going back a bit, isn't it? From, from yeah, from that this. one. But yeah. So yeah, Lauren Ambrose, who then went on to do Six Feet Under, then load of plays. Yeah, yeah. And then Seth Green, Robot Chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buffy, and etc. Yeah, um, everything. Okay, and then moving on to the supporting cast. These are more difficult because these people pop in and out. Yes. Okay. So so we've got. Um, there's the guy who played Pete in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who's the one who talks to Denise uh, about the the yearbook and wanting to keep the tassel. Oh, I can't remember his name, but he played Pete in episode four of season three. Uh, then you go to um, Chris Owens, who played Sherman in... Shermanator. Shermanator. Yeah, yeah, um, Very briefly. You've mentioned Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel, who's yeah. the guy with the watermelon. Amber Benson's in it. Yeah. Um, Claire Duval, Selma Blair. Claire Selma... Duval, uh, yeah, as well, who went on to, to do lots um, of the Trust sport. me on my shit. Cheerleader, yeah, faculty, faculty. Um, Selma, Blair, Selma Blair, Cruel Intentions, um, yeah. Zoe, there's that Cartoon Network live action sitcom. Uh, Zoe, it renamed just to be Zoe. Okay. And I think she was Zoe. Sean Patrick, not, no, Sean Patrick, not oh, Scott. Yeah, so Sean Patrick, Patrick Thomas. Thomas, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I actually typed in Scott at first <laughs> when I was writing it out. He's in it. Um, Freddie Rodriguez, who then went to go and what going to Six Feet Under yeah. with um, Lauren Ambrose. And then Planet Terror he was in was as he well. That? Okay. Yeah. Jay Paulson's one of the X-Files. Yeah. Joel Mc... Nult... No, Nultese. Joel Mikeley. Joel Mikeley. Yeah. Um, he's the other X-File. Um, You've mentioned Jamie Presley pa- yeah. as well. And Paige Mar- Jones. Jones. Paige Moss. Right, yeah. yeah Jenna Elfman. Um, yeah. Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah. She's yeah. quite a notable cameo that we're going, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah she, she's uncredited, actually. So, yeah, yeah, well, the, yeah. yeah. Jerry she O'Connell's uncredited as well. Yeah, Selma Blair, Paige Moss, who I, the only time I ever seen her in anything was that she was in Buffy. She played yeah. Bruca, who yeah. pretty much called well Seth, who went to Seth Green. Yeah. Jenna Elfman. You mentioned Jenna Elfman. Yeah. Oh, God. You've got most of them. There's, there's, there's... Ch- um, Channon Rowe, who is one of the jocks. Yes. Yeah. But I don't think the only time he's been in it is that he was in, he was he played a zombie in the Zeppo in Buffy. Okay. Oh God, there's someone else. Brecklin Meyer, Donald Faison. Brecklin Meyer is a good Bre- one. Yeah, you know, Bre- yeah, you know Bre- who Bre- went on to road trip. Didn't yeah, but, yeah. Do, do, do you know a key fact about Brecklin Meyer and this film? Go on then. He's married to Deborah Cap- Deborah Cap- Is he really? He's still married to Deborah Cap- No Cap- way. That's yeah. Great way. Yeah. Donald yeah, Faison. They got married in 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Donald Faison. That, those are the those are the big two. There is. Probably Don't. two more. They're lesser known, but they're well known. In t- you've seen them in TV, oh, man. and they've both been in regular r- Leslie Gro- roles. Leslie Grossman was in Popular. Okay, that's not the one. That's I'm Mary Cherry. She played. She played Mary Cherry, who's my favourite character in that. Okay, but the, these two, both men, both people. In fact, tell a lie. Three, three people who were in the same TV show in the in the noughties, in the last decade that ran for quite a while. That had regular or recurring roles, and they were all in this. This is an interesting quiz fact. Is this is this is this one that I've already mentioned, or I no, 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 no. All male. Oh no, no, sorry. Two of them are male, one's female. And I've not mentioned them. You've not mentioned them, no. And they only have very small parts. 
but they are all, they are all here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, otherwise, because okay. you, you, this might be quite difficult to get. Yeah. Okay. You might get the TV show when I say this. Eric Balfour, Marisol Nichols, and Vicella Shannon. Vicella Shannon is the year of the Memories guy. Uh, Haven? No. You're going to kick yourself, because he's one of your favourite shows. Or it used to be. I can't remember the... I can't remember the... I know Eric Balfour was... Vicella Shannon plays the son of somebody in a, in a show that ran for a long time that you love. Oh, bloody hell. Um, he's a black guy. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was it down, Tony. Thank, oh, my God. Marison Nichols. Who's Marison Nichols? In the, oh, I recognise the name. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to really kick yourself. Oh, bloody hell, 24. 24! Shit. Because Vicella Shannon was David Palmer's son, right? Keith? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. looks he looks thirty in this. No, I know, I know. He, yeah, he played he played David Palmer. He played yeah. Keith in the first yeah, season. Keith Palmer, yeah. So who did Marison Nichols play? He's forty four now. Uh, Marisol Nichols and Eric Balfour were both in season six and they were they were basically uh, No, no, Eric Balfour was, was Milo. Milo in series one as well. He was in series he one. He was, he was absolutely right. And he came back then, didn't he? And he got shot in yeah. the uh, she played Nadia Yassir in uh, she was one of the agents in CTU. She's probably mainly known remember. for that. I can't remember her whatsoever. 24 episodes no I can't remember in, yep. I can't she's supposed to be in 24 episodes of 24, 24. Episodes. yeah but it was a, a very it was the season the, the dodgy 24 season with with Jack Bauer's dad as the baddie oh yeah and, yeah and, you know what I mean it was it was when they dropped a nuclear bomb in like episode 4 and everyone went what the fuck oh yeah uh, no dodgy yeah. the, 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 the season you'd forget of 24 yeah. if you're going to forget anything okay I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to consider that the quiz alright so yeah, thank you, uh, Matt, for joining me on this trawl through uh, '90s comedy. I think we've been we've covered some really interesting films, and uh, we've got some interesting food for thought about mm-hmm. movies. Thanks to everybody who um, who, came, who ventured uh, suggestions for uh, for films from the '90s, and um, yeah, we will uh, we will probably do more um, decades of comedy as time goes on. So uh, yeah, I can't hardly wait for that, Latham. I'm sorry, you can't make that joke. That joke just lost all effect. Now you've watched the film. No, yeah, yeah. You, you, I said this to you the other day. That bless you for thinking that this is the end of that annoying you with that joke. In a side, on a side note, um, I actually found Harry Alfont on Twitter last night. Um, so, but and pretty much, yeah, he doesn't tweet that regularly. Pretty much, the majority of his tweets are pe- replying to people who re- reference him a bit. Can't hardly wait. So do they make that same joke I do. No, well, that's a shame. But I, bet, I bet you he's not. He's not. Hurt. Maybe I'll find him on Twitter and say that joke to him. I'm pretty sure you might have to tweet the, tweet this episode to him. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that film. Hi, Mister Halfway. <laughs> Trust me, you can't hardly wait to listen to this. Boom! If you've made it this far, you've already listened to it, so they can't hardly wait. They can't hardly wait to finish. I can. <laughs> I can't hardly wait for this to be over. Thanks, Matt. So, where can we find you online? Somewhere. Thank you. Right, see you later. <laughs> no, I'm I'm more TV based than anything. So I have a website called The Bottle Episode, which is full of nice little reviews of TV, which you can find on www.bottleepisode.co.uk. You can find me on Twitter under at the bottle app, or if I if you really want to follow me, you can follow my account, personal account, which is Zandmat, which is X-I-N-D-M-A-T-T. Yeah, he's very fussy about who he lets on that one. I know, Because yeah. he's elitist. Yes. So, yeah, if, if you want to be... I'm a class elitist, like this film. Yeah, yeah, there you <laughs> go, yeah.
You can find us on Twitter at Pickaflick and on Facebook, uh, actually on Twitter at Pickaflick Pod and on Facebook at Pickaflick. So, um, you know, let us know. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Give us any more suggestions for flicks you'd want us to cover and we'll talk about and we'll put them on the roster and we'll get some guests to talk about them. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back for another episode soon. So uh, I can't hardly wait for that. So until then, <laughs> then I can't hardly wait to be on Flick and Bick. <laughs> there we go. Until then. Remember, we pick the film, you talk about it. Simple. Simple. No. <laughs> no. You pick the film, we talk about it. I said it the other way around. <laughs> we pick the film and then you talk about it. <laughs> I couldn't hardly wait for you to make that mistake. <laughs> Bye. Hi, Mum. Everything worked out. What a happy end. Americans and Canadians are friends again. So let's all join hands and now go press them down. Don't you know our little lives are now complete? Cause Terrence and Philip are sweet. Super sweet. Thank God we live in a quiet middle place and don't let all of the Tonight I feel ambitious. Da 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 da. Sorry. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.